Hello everyone and welcome to broadcast number 70 of Indie Radio. Indie Radio is an indie game development talk show that airs bi-weeklies on Saturdays at noon U.S. Central Time to help you keep up with the ever-evolving world of indie game development, debate about issues in the indie game scene, and I'll let you into the mind of some of the most interesting people behind the creation of indie games. Today, uh, what, what, what's the date? Uh, January 16th, 2016? <laughs> Crazy. Uh, yeah. I'm going to be your host, uh, Brett Hudson, broadcasting live from the Midwest United States, and we have a guest today. Uh, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, I'm Zach, also known as Why To Be Crazy on uh, Twitter and other random things. I'm a vo- professional vocal artist, and... Uh, yeah, I'm from uh, Toronto, Toronto, Canada. Sweet, that was that was perfect. So, uh, like always, uh, the show is set up where we do news at the beginning, uh, and then we jump into the interview with our guest. After that, uh, but before we do all that, we always mention that we have an IRC channel. So, if anybody wants to uh, ask Zach questions or uh, bring up news topics that we've uh, missed that are interesting. Uh, you can jump in the IRC. It is on the irc.afternet.org network. The channel is Indie Function, I-N-D-I-E Function. Or if you're listening to this live on uh, IndieFunction.com, uh, the IRC chat is actually embedded into the page. Just plug in a username, click enter, and you'll be in there and you can chat with us. Um, so the first news topic that we have today is announcing Handmade Quake. And uh, this is... This, this is tied to our last interview um, with Casey Miratori, the guy behind Handmade Hero. And uh, this new one is by Philip Buck, and he's basically taking Quake and rewriting it from scratch, uh, building it up based off of the uh, open-sourced id software uh, repository for Quake. And um, I've been following it. Um, I'm actually doing a really good job of... Uh, keeping up to date with it uh, because it's not as frequent or as long as Handmade Hero so it's a lot more manageable um, to keep up with and it's it's really fascinating so far because he's he uh, got the original source code all set up in his videos and running so you can play Quake uh, from the original source code just on your computer um, after the first few videos and then after that he starts a new project uh, where you start building it up from scratch. And he's go- going to make it pretty much parallel with the original source code. Um, and he's doing it modularly. So you can you can do the, the series um, out of order. So you could, you could get the base um, systems working, and you could go work on graphics, or you could jump to the, um, the physics, whichever. You can do them out of order, which is really neat. Um, and it's just really cool seeing uh, other projects come out of the whole handmade hero uh, philosophy of programming, and then the the video style, and just the ambitiousness of all of it. So yeah, yeah. Have, have you heard of ha- the handmade stuff before this, Zach? Um, not really. Like I've known people who've uh, done uh, hand- the, like the whole the whole idea of the the handmade project, but I've never mm-hmm. heard of the the handmade initiative as a whole which is really neat it's cool that there's people actually doing that i didn't, never thought of uh taking someone else's game and rewriting it from scratch and pretty much explaining that entire, that entire process yeah because yeah. it, it feels it feels a little um redundant at times where you're just like oh maybe you know 
but it kind of makes sense. You would want to take something that already has, there's already content there, and there's already something that you know you know exactly what you're aspiring to, so it kind of makes sense to take Quake, something that everyone knows and understands, and and work to build it. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, the, the original yeah. Handmade uh, hero is, in a way, more ambitious and less ambitious at the same time. Um, Casey is making a game completely from scratch like you, you mm-hmm. write the pixel buffer you write the sound buffer it, he uses no libraries so it's just oh wow c++ you jump in and like by day 20 you pretty much already have all this mm-hmm. like stuff set up and you're like holy crap we can like start working on stuff now <laughs> we um, can finally start making this game <laughs> Which is a huge understatement for making engines, that's for sure. Yes. Yeah. I've I've been there and it's it's, it's twenty days is a mat is a miracle <laughs> to, to, and, have, and it's, to have an, a functioning engine that you can be like, Okay, let's make the game now. And and the cool thing is like that's that's an hour of him programming with explanations. So if you were to boil all that time down, it would maybe be like two days. Oh man. Which is like, what? How how what? And it all makes sense. That's what's magic about it. Uh, <laughs> so much fun. Uh, so the, the next thing uh, is along the same lines. Um, this apparently has been going on for a while, but I never saw it. It's called Writing a Game Engine from Scratch uh, by Michael oh. uh, Kistner. And uh, it's mm-hmm. an ongoing blog series on Gamma Sutra. Mm-hmm. And right now he just released uh, on the 12th a new post called Graphics Libraries. And this is about getting OpenGL and DirectX set up or writing your own, it sounds like. Um, I kind of just skimmed it. I haven't read into it much. But I thought I'd just put it out there for anybody who um, wanted to check that out. Um, posting it in the IRC... So, uh, there's not too much to say. Uh, there's there's three parts before this. Uh, messaging, memory, and then data and cache. So, he's just taking a cool approach uh, in blog format, just talking about the overview of things and lots of pictures. So, another, another that's cool a, That's project. actually really interesting. So, the... the so, the, game, uh, the, the visual libraries for writing a game in obviously part but the part that you're gonna run it that they're going to uh, spend because if like again when you're making your own game engine you have to like if you're doing if you're of course actually not well if you're gonna take a, an already existing visual library it's not as much of a problem but if you're gonna write your own from scratch then it's going to be all hell break loose because you need to, you need to figure out pretty much all your own lighting systems how you're going to approach lighting if you want to do ray tracing if you yeah. want to do like there's a whole different whole array of things that you can do for for that alone so it's, it's like the visual stuff it's to me just knowing of how it was for um the vox was it's just like yeah it's going to take the, like that kind of stuff tends to take a lot of time to polish and to perfect and you never really perfect it which is one of the things where I'm just like, don't, don't write a game engine, please don't. <laughs> please don't. Just use something that already exists. <laughs> yes, there's a lot out there. Yeah, I mean, it's fun to do it as like a learning exercise, like all these definitely, projects definitely. do, um, to get a better understanding of how things work under the hood. So then, when you do use game engines, you you can <laughs> optimize and be smart about it, but. For... Well, often you can often you can use um, you can use already existing game engines and, and kind of work 
backwards with them and try to try to build your own engine within it. Like, there's lots of people who build yeah. their own um, tweaked engines within Unity to 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 make because they're just like, well, Unity has all this framework and all the stuff that's already there that I'd like to to not make. Like, just the, the fact that there's an editor already in it is a huge plus. So they're like, well. I can still make some sort of game engine with it, just I don't have to stress with all the, the visual elements of it. Mm-hmm. In Unity, you can extend the editor, too, by creating your own whatever oh, you definitely. want. So there's a lot of a lot of flexibility there. Yeah. Yeah, ooh, that's, that's something that we could bring up during the show. Or during the interview, I should say. Um, so Ludum Dare 34 happened. Um, this... Uh, mm-hmm past month yeah in december um i entered in did did you zach i did not I haven't entered in ludum dare in a long while but i watched it i watched it all and i'm really happy with the results it was really cool mm-hmm. uh so i gotta pull up the games that won uh so mm-hmm. for the main compo um and for those of you that are unfamiliar with ludum dare ludum dare is split into mm-hmm. uh two different categories there's the compo or the competition which is the solo version. It's 48 hours. Um, you can't use pre-made assets. Uh, it, it's the more intense intense version of Ludum yeah. Dare. Uh, first place yeah. was Frank and Stein uh, by uh, Vega Palme uh, 27. Probably did not say that correct. Um, <laughs> uh, it was created in Construct 2. Pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. So Frankenstein are linked by a common Orion, so they have to stay together. You'll have to lead these two quote-unquote heroes to the eight short levels of the lab. Um, and I should also mention that the uh, Ludum Dare had, for the first time ever, um, a tie in the two themes that got voted on. And it was two-button controls and growing, so you could either use both or one or the other uh, in your game. So some of these games use both, some of them only use one. So it, it was interesting seeing how that impacted uh, people's voting in the... Yeah, I, I actually found it really cool. I found, uh, there was a huge, like, everyone, uh, I, like, reading Twitter, just seeing the entire feed of people freaking out over <laughs> the fact, just the fact alone that it was like, holy shit, it's the first time where there's two, two there's two themes mixed together. What the fuck? And then they're like... <laughs> They're, they're like everyone's freaking out, and I'm like, this is this is hilarious, and uh, and yeah, I just found a, I found it uh, hugely entertaining to see what people made with it, and uh, I tend I tend to think that uh, multiple themes or multiple elements in a theme tied in together tends to make game design a lot more uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Like when you find um, the Ludum Dares, where it's not like often with the Ludum Dares, you have people who are just like, ugh, I hate this theme. It's just so bad. I can't work with it. And yeah. so they just they just make whatever, and that happens a lot. You you see that a lot in in, in, in Ludum Dares where people just make whatever and then decide that uh, I'm just gonna make I'm just gonna make use of the Ludum Dare to to pressure myself to make something in three days or in two days, and then people are just like, okay, yeah, that, I guess sure do that, but uh, but uh, no, it's it's interesting. I feel like the more, the more information get, is given to a developer, the easier it is for them to to make something because when you give them the one theme, they get too open ended. And they get and they try to like go or stretch out too far, and then realize that um, they should probably make something smaller. And then I don't know. It's good. It's a way to scope out. Yeah. The no. The two two themes here were really good because there's the the way that I see it is that the two button controls is the restrictive theme. It says, "Hey, 
You only have two, mm-hmm. uh, two buttons. And then growing mm-hmm. is like it's more of a mechanic theme, more of a like concept. So exactly. They, yeah, they it, mesh really well together. Uh, yeah, which is which is a good it's a good look at a draw. Like I think that's why there was less there they were okay with the fact that there was two themes mm-hmm. chosen for this. Because we've had uh, we like I'm, as if I'm part of it. Um <laughs> Ludum there has had uh, moments like what was it last year they had the uh, Ludum there where it was just uh, um thing one life. Oh yeah. And uh and people, and that's an interesting thing because one life can either be mechanic or it can I, I be think like the theme that's... was you only have one. Yeah, you only have one. Yeah, and a lot of people took. And that's why I found it really interesting because a lot of people took it as, oh, you only have one life, and or you only have one of what most people take of is your life, and so they try to play with that. And I'm just like, okay, but a lot of people, that's one way to take it, which is very, I found obvious. It's an obvious approach where it's like, okay, well, you only have one life. And it's like, all right. Everyone's gonna make roguelikes then, and so it's like it's very, it's it's very obvious when you when you have that. But with this, with this one, it was perfect. It was a perfect mesh of two two things. Where it's like you have two button controls because if you had just left two button controls alone, there would have been a, a huge array of things made from that. And because you can you can make any arcade game with two buttons. Mm-hmm. So so in the end, it could have been, and, and technically, two buttons could have been a joystick and a button. That's two forms of input, but whatever. Um, <laughs> and like or, that could have been a thing that could have cheated around the theme. I find. Yeah, we but cheated no one really did by, that, uh, which I found, which was cool. We we cheated by using the mouse because there's two mouse buttons, mm-hmm. and then you could aim. Oh, so, smart! Yeah, that's. Yeah. You see, like that works. That works. Um, but uh, this one was this one was perfect. The, the growing thing, people saw it, saw the clear difference. One is mechanics, one is the theme, and I felt that uh, that drove the, this one very well to make really really cool stuff. Like yeah, the, the yeah. game that you made at the end with it was really neat. I didn't expect that. Or what was that? Didn't uh, didn't you make the thing with the planets? I I did make a thing with uh, that you have like one planet in the middle, and you shoot yeah. asteroids. Yeah, yeah. It had a really it had a really good name. Uh, <laughs> it, it was, yeah, it was Planet go, go. Protector. <laughs> Yeah, Planet Protector. Like, with the, the W is really good instead of R. It was, that was really entertaining. Yeah, I, I was at my grandparents at the time, and I showed my grandma, and she gave me a weird look when she read the, read the name. <laughs> She's like, Planet Protector? Yeah. yeah. Good time. Yeah, we, we actually got 10th in the jam, which was yeah, pretty I saw exciting. That. It was really, really cool. I am never going to get a, a good game, uh, Ludum Dare, rank ever. I don't yeah, think no, so. I was I... completely surprised. I was like, oh, maybe we'll get, you know, like, in in the top 100 or two, and then it's like, oh, we got 10th place. That's crazy. That's <laughs> awesome. That's a, that's a really good feeling. It's like, hey, maybe I'm, maybe I'm su- I, maybe I can make games. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, we, we used mm-hmm. Game Maker, so we had it, like, in a Dropbox, so only one person was really able to edit it at a time. Oh, that's scary. <laughs> so, but it, it all worked out in the end. I would highly suggest don't use Game Maker if you have multiple programmers. Yeah. Oh God, please don't. <laughs> Anything uh, that that can't control, that can't, that you can't do version control, just don't use. Don't don't use that kind oh, yeah, of engine. Oh yeah, Game Maker for... does have a version control, but I've never gotten it working. Oh really? Wow, I didn't think it did. Yeah, it's it's built into it, so you have to like set it up through Game Maker. Um, because they have their own way of doing stuff. Oh, weird. All right. 
I'd have to look so, into that. That's interesting. Yeah, I I've never gotten it working, so I can't I can't say too much. Um, but second place uh, in the in the compo is actually a game that I just played the other day, and I was like, oh, this is so cool, and it got second place. It's called Initial Conditions, and you basically build um, uh, like a civilization on these rivers. Um, so every civilization has to have at least one block mm-hmm. on a river, and there's a grid, and there, there's simple rules like um, sometimes you can only have civilizations that are one block each. Uh, they can't touch each other. They, they can be diagonal, but they can't be next to each other. Uh, you can't have a civilization on two rivers, and then you have to have a certain amount of civilizations on each river. That's, that's my best description. It's really cool. Um, <laughs> it's the only one out of this list that I've actually played and can recommend. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I was playing with you. I was like, oh, this is so cool. And it got second place. Sweet. Um, and then third place uh, in the compo was a tie between uh, Molly's Dream by Flying Bear and Rebuild slash Resist by uh, Saint Eleven. And uh, Saint Eleven, um, Pedro, he he did the art for Towerfall. Um, so if anybody's like, oh, I, I've heard that name before, um, that's that's his big uh, thing that he's known for is. Uh, doing all those pixels and uh towerfall and now he's he uh he's been doing programming i don't know how long um but he he also does programming and it sounds like he does music too so he he's just an all-around talented guy and he made a rebuild slash resist which i played for probably an hour so i i guess i did lie i have played two of the two of the winning games um and this one's really cool and of course the pixel art is fantastic because it's pedro so Go check that out, too. Uh, and then... Uh, oh, there, there was a tie for third place in the Jam 2. I'll just go through these really quick, because there's dragging on a bit. So, uh, first place was Slash Quest. Um, by Big Green Pillow, featuring M. Gaia. And... Uh, what What is... Uh, in this game, you'll have to manage limited controls and help a courageous little knight swing and stumble his overgrowing, or ever-growing sword to victory. Oh man! So your your sword grows, and then that's how you defeat enemies. That's, that's clever. Uh, second place was the Everything Building by Kipab. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a, you're an elevator operator. Uh, and then tied for third place is Agent Hooker by Phoenix 849 and Sort the Court by Graybore. So, yeah, if, if you want to check those out, just go to ludendare.com um, and click on ludendare34 results at the top. And if you're listening to this, you know, in the, the recording, the, the show topics are available on the page. So we've got uh, two things of news from IndieBox. Um, they're they, they just keep getting cooler. Um, so, uh, we had, we had IndieBox's, uh, Liv Sagan on, in season four, it was back in 2014, um, so if you guys are interested in learning more about IndieBox, you can go, uh, watch her, inter- er, watch her interview, yeah, or watch, watch our audio interview with, uh, with IndieBox, um, uh, to find out more about them, they're down in Orlando, and uh, I lived down there for a while, so I actually went to their headquarters, their their old headquarters, 
Um, super friendly people. Uh, if, if you're in the Orlando area, get get in touch with them um, because they have little little parties where people go over and help uh, box the boxes, and um, they they reward you usually with a uh, a free box um, at the end of it. So you walk you walk away making friends and you get an awesome indie box. Uh, this month's box is Nuclear Throne, um, which is super exciting. Uh, it's Flambeer's new game. They just released it last month. Uh, in the sense that they came out of early access. Uh, what do you even call that? Full release? Like, uh, f- like after early access? Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> I, I guess that would be like, yeah, just full release at that point. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, Nuclear Throne. Not only do you get the game on PC, uh, DRM free through this indie box, you also get a uh, PlayStation Network code, so you can get it on PS4 and PS Vita. Oh, wow. Whoa, uh, and that's just for twenty five dollars. Or if you sign up for six months, it's uh, twenty bucks per box. Um, if if somebody's like, wait, no, those numbers are wrong. They just increased their prices um, recently to um, combat expenses, pretty much. Uh, and they also have a much higher demand now, so I don't blame them. Uh, but this month, Nuclear Throne Indie Box Challenge is happening, and basically, you can create a unique cosplay of one of the Nuclear Throne characters. And one winner will not only receive a signed copy of Nuclear Throne, um, but they also get to have a Skype call with uh, Remy Ismail, which is pretty cool in itself. Uh, Remy's a super friendly guy, uh, lots of fun to talk to, um, and you can meet him if if you win. So anybody who wants to check that out, um, I'll put the link in the chat. Uh, oops, and then I <laughs> delete it. Oops. Um, so yeah, super, super cool stuff, but that's not all that they're doing this month. The other news article, or last news article, is they're also giving away two PAX South, uh, 2016 three-day passes. Um, they haven't announced how to win them yet, or maybe they did this morning and I just didn't see it. I'll, I'll check that out in a sec. Um, oh yeah, here it is. Um, if, if you go to their Twitter, the Indie Box, um, the la- the top tweet, their pin tweet, is tell us your favorite indie game and win two three-day passes to PAX. Retweet and follow to enter. So I, I'm going to retweet that quick to let people know. Um, so yeah, you could you could win passes to PAX, and they're going to be there too, so you can, you can even say hi to them and say thanks and give them a hug and buy a box, so cool stuff. And that's it for our news. Hopefully that was exciting. Uh, we got through it in 24 minutes, and now we can <laughs> we can ask Zach about his 10,001 projects. Yeah, 10,001 projects. Uh, first off, the nuclear throne thing is really cool, and the new box is a really cool thing. I recommend it. I don't do it, but I recommend it because it's fun. Mm-hmm. A lot of people like that. It's like there's all these uh, like crate box and all these other uh, knickknacks of things, but I feel like. Indie box is the only one that's worthwhile since you actually get a free game out of it. Whereas mm-hmm. all the all the other box like uh, things, are just like here's knickknacks and things you're probably never gonna touch ever again. Mm-hmm. Here you can put but, it on your uh, shelf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I find that that's neat. Yeah, sorry, yeah, I didn't so... really give you like a chance to <laughs> comment on. <laughs> oh, no, it's cool. No, it's cool. It's totally cool. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so interview thing. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You have, you have things to ask. Yeah, so typically our, our interviews are just kind of conversation-based. We jump around wherever, and you've got 
a billion things that we can talk about. So I'm sure I'll ask one question and we'll just continue going on tangents <laughs> until we were like, oh, we, uh, we've been man, on the tell- air for a long time. We should uh, probably wrap it up. Now you're telling, yeah, like now you're telling me I'm, I talk too much shit. Ah, uh, damn. No, that's good. That's good. <laughs> it's, it's a talk show. We're supposed to talk. But um, uh, yeah, no, it's. Uh, I got a ton of projects. It's um, mostly that's how it is when you're contracting. So. Or at least that's how I feel it is when you're contracting. Everyone that I know who who does contract work tends to work on like four or five projects at once, which uh, which is usually, which usually makes sense. It's not like one of those things where like holy crap, that's a lot of work. It's like not really. You tend to to do things in bursts. It's kind of like. Uh, but now at this point, I'm no longer doing things in bursts. I'm doing full blown uh, pre production and full production on projects, uh, multiple projects at once. So that now feels over like a lot of work. So, uh, like, I'm working, like, 60 to 60-plus hours a week uh, just so I can get stuff done. It's fun. I enjoy it. It's, it's, uh, it's the kind of thing where, also, you need to take what you can, what you can get mm-hmm. while you have it. Because uh, with contract work, you never know. One day you can have nothing. Other day you can have everything. Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting gamble, contracting work. But, uh, yeah, currently I'm working on, um, on releasing Critical Annihilation for uh, Valentine's Day. Which is gonna be interesting. Uh, it was supposed to be at the end of this month, but I decided, you know what? No, I'm gonna do a full blown like proper release, and the best way to do that is to fall on a on a ridiculous holiday that no one actually has like any major releases or anything. People are gonna think about love and stuff. I'm like, you know what? To all those people out there who don't have any working relationship and <laughs> won't be doing anything on Valentine's Day, you can play my game, Critical Annihilation. It's uh, we're gonna, I'm gonna do a whole. Right, right. Good. That's a good pitch, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, I feel like, and one yeah. lucky winner can win a Skype call with with Zach Soros. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's uh, I don't know. I find it's uh, it's gonna be interesting. Uh, it's the kind of marketing campaign I'm gonna do is more or less like uh, here's uh, oh god I said it a moment earlier too uh, really well too. Uh, it's a kind of it's a kind of pit uh, kind of marketing campaign where it's like fight f- fight to save uh, fight for the love of your Earth. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing because it's the game is a cliche aliens inv- aliens invading Earth and you need to kill them all and like as you're killing them all and as you're proceeding through levels because it's a twin stick shooter you try to you figure out over time like why exactly they're invading Earth and it's for the dumbest reason so uh, yeah I feel like that's gonna be stupid fun and uh, yeah the game can be early in early access that way uh, people could primarily the main reason we're doing early access is so that people can come and actually. Um, uh, leave input in the game not only for what it is, but what they want it to be. So they can actually leave feature requests and say, like, hey, I want different game modes, and if we think it fits, um, not only fits with the game, but fits within our scope, then uh, we'd happily add these things to it, uh, whether it be content or, uh, or like, prog- programmatic stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's all, it's, that's the main purpose of, our, of doing early access is to, further, like, to help fund further just the end of of, of uh, release at that point it's more or less i it's more or less like we would we would do a release we're almost done with the game anyways we have like uh, a couple more months of development left so it's not like um it's not like we really need early access but i feel like early access is perfect because it's um we want to do multiplayer like online multiplayer and local mm-hmm. co-op but the best way to gauge that is whether or not people really want it uh, within like an early access uh, fold like that alone is really the reason we want to do it. It's like if we can if we can get people to really tell us like, hey, yeah, there's enough there. There's enough people here who would want multi like online multiplayer. 
then we would we would we would work to implement it, and that alone I think would would just be helpful enough. And that would be, for me would be a successful early access is if we can gauge whether or not that's po- uh, that's possible as an addition to the game. So hmm. there's that. <laughs> there's that project, and, and there's um, uh, there's a bunch. I do. I'm currently still working on things like Vox, Moonfall, and uh, a bunch of other little ones. But these, this is the, that was, those are the kinds of contracts where it's just the small bursts. Every yeah. once in a while, I get asked to make content for it, and it's like, okay, cool, here you go. But uh, aside from that, there's a um, few studios that want to do uh, projects uh, with me. I'm still working out those contracts, and um, and uh, down the line, like pretty much this year, I am. I am going. I'm gonna go nuts. I'm like doing. I'm definitely doing full like full projects from beginning to end, uh, which is uh, a lot of fun because I get to I get to like figure out the art direction, and that's actually the part I love with making games is mockups, and um, is figuring out the art style, the feel for the game, the way it's gonna play, and um, even before like it's that that every developer will tell you there's a fun little burst coming up with games uh, coming up with your game and building out the game mm-hmm. before actually making the game because there's this whole chunk afterwards where you're just like ugh when is this game gonna end yeah like as a developer you're just like I just wanna finish this and that's why game jams are great great practice to make games but they're, they're also a big oversight for how it is to make games because you, those, those three in those three days you will never go through the six months of, of just wanting to finish the damn game and wanting to release it. Because then you realize there's this whole other level of what's what's feasible as a game and what, what you can do uh, for what you can do to make this game an actual full full release commercial game. Yeah. So, it's fun. It's fun. I like it. I, I enjoy it. Uh, I enjoy all steps of it. Uh, of course, it I, there's a lot of lulls at one point. Like, you're just like, oh, it's just reviewing reviewing art and making sure everything fits and works. But um, that stuff is all important, so I enjoy it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and but right now my main my main big contract is uh, aside from like doing Critical Annihilation is uh, is I'm currently working on uh, building out an RPG, and that's all much I all, all else I can really say. I'm posting on on Twitter like images of it, and it's these uh, really high res um, building designs right now. It's inner building designs um, and. Uh, Soon I'll be working on the outsides and doing environmental art. But uh, mm. currently, today, uh, after this, I'll be moving on to doing uh, like orcs. I'm doing little orc characters, which I find is going to be really interesting. Because uh, I just love character. Like I used to hate character design; it was the worst thing I hated. But um, <laughs> the worst thing I worst thing I liked is <laughs> the the biggest thing I hated. But now it's the the kind of thing I, I very much enjoy doing because it's fun. It's fun. Exp- it's fun experimenting with proportions, dimensions, and uh, and just a feel for a character, trying to make them like imagine them. And I think the only reason why I enjoy character uh, character design at this point is because I animate yeah. in three D. Like because I'm animating them, I enjoy making them because I I get to do the full the full process of it. If it was just designing them, I would I would I would kind of hate uh, I would kind of hate it because I have to also figure out a bunch of things that's reliant on someone else doing the, the animations and that I am not an expert on doing so. Yeah. That's uh there's that project, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember watching you uh build a a spider, even though I think it only had six legs, so technically not a spider. Uh for I think it was critical annihilation, it was a giant robot spider. Yeah, yeah, it's a spider man. Animate that, that was that was super neat. Seeing the whole process. And th- that was that was on your Twitch channel, which we actually haven't brought up yet. 
Yeah, well, that's a that's a thing that's been um, I haven't active I haven't had actively in a while, but I feel like I'm gonna bring back on weekends. Yeah, because you you have a you also have a Patreon. Let's let's just get all your links out there, um, uh, which I I haven't checked in on in a while. Um, hopefully that's going. Oh, that's well fine. Um, I was actually gonna I was gonna try updating it today. Uh, so Patreon is something I'm I'm actually doing with uh, uh, Luciana, um, who's a concept artist and. Um, and I feel like like uh, we wanted to do this project together. It's a lot of fun, um, and mostly because I really want to do VR stuff down the line. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like the VR is a lot of uh, is very interesting just as a as a field. And there's a lot of ways I feel people aren't exploring it. There are, a lot of people are exploring it just as the you immerse yourself as as the character in the world. And I don't like that so much because it it puts so much uh, so much more strain on the actual like uh, tech on the tech that's needed for VR that I'm just like, why don't you just do like a regular, just any regular game? Could you imagine just a regular game in VR that would work? VR, like I'm trying to think of VR as a way of um, less less in the experience, the immersion, and more about the making use of VR as a toy. Yeah. And as a different as a different output to play games in general, because like, hey, if you can play, if you can end up playing your entire Steam library in VR, why the hell not? <laughs> it's like <laughs> if you have the headset, make use of it. And that's the thing is, I don't want people to be, be stuck. And that's my personal feeling with VR. Is I don't want people to be stuck to this only this single kind of experience in VR. And and I feel like that's what a lot of people are pushing right now, and I'm afraid for it. So I I just want to like. If I can, if anyone in any way, like if any of the projects that I end end up uh, uh, doing in this Patreon, because the purpose of Patreon is to just do mock-ups. I'm not going to do full games, just mock-ups and like uh, impressions of how I feel something would play in VR. So it's just like little scenes that you'll be able to interact with kind of thing. It's like the limit as to what the the border of a game and interactive art is. So that's what I'm doing uh, with that. Uh, And uh, as Felipe, uh, Felipe says in the IRC, Creative work is always fun, but the first months of of world creation, layout, brainstorming, that's really like it's the it's really the best moment of any project. And yeah, I agree, and that's why I enjoy this. Like this Patreon is the per, is, like that's what that Patreon is about is having that fun and brainstorming, layout and creation, and then that then stop there. <laughs> like that's that's where I'm gonna stop. Like there's all this creation that I'm gonna do, and then it's like I'm gonna have the prototype built out. So Lou is gonna do all the concepting, and like we're gonna brainstorm stuff uh, with each other. And uh, and then I build it out in uh, in Unity or in Unreal, different engines I'm going to try out. But um, that, and once that's been built out in that in the engine, and I can like I have something some somewhere that I can show. Like if you can put on your headset and it works, I've succeeded in my task. <laughs> then like that's it, and I'm going to stop there, move on to the next thing. Unless I really feel like there's something there, then I'm going to like contain the project, put it on the side, and be like, all right, this is something that. By the end of the year, I'm going to look over and be like, maybe I want to bring this further. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, kind of like yeah, the side I, and see if you still feel as strong about it when you when you go back. Exactly, yeah, because it's like it's it's the thing I'm sure like every artist goes through is they make this they have this concept, this mock up, and they're like, oh, this is really cool. This would be a great game. You only think that in that moment. <laughs> you'll only you'll it's like every every game jam. It's a, and that's why I always fear for game jams sometimes, where it's like. Every game jam and everything like this, like this Patreon, every single mock-up you do, you feel like would, would make an excellent game, but that's always in the heat of the moment. It's not something like you need to look on. It's 
like every art every artist tells you look back at your art afterwards for better critique to yourself and a lot of programmers don't do that mm-hmm. a lot of programmers like uh, but that's just not just programmers I'm not pinpointing programmers but like every designer and game developer does this they just they make this mock up and they don't put it on the side and look and try to look back on it they just either they put it on the side or they, pers- or they continue with it mm-hmm. and when they put it on the side it's they're trashing it they're done with it they never look back on it and I feel like that's a huge problem is sometimes you have a really good game idea. There's something in that game idea that you built sometime. Uh, there was something there. There was something that you can work off of. And whether or not you take it completely apart and rebuild a new game out of it, it's fine. But uh, that, that, there's something there that you, that you need to make use of. And I feel like going back on projects is the best idea. So that's why this Patreon, I feel, is like the perfect perfect thing for me. And I would like to allocate hours throughout my uh, throughout my weeks and days to to just like work on this. Right now, I'm having a hard uh, hard time actually like doing it daily. I'm doing it weekly, but uh, it's hard doing it daily because because uh, um, all the contracts I'm doing. But um, mm. uh, which is oh man, it's something I need to communicate well with the Patreon. <laughs> but uh, but it's definitely like I want to do uh, what is it? I want to start doing. I was talking to Lou about it last night, and she's gonna try doing it too because I want I want both of us to try to do it. I know I'm definitely doing it. She said she's probably going to just type out logs, but um, I want to do audio logs. Uh, sorry, audio visual logs, like um, dev, dev logs, but kind of in the sense of uh, if you saw the movie The Martian, uh, you know how he does like those daily logs and you see him on camera and there's like time and date stamps and recording and all that stuff? I haven't seen it, I kinda... but I, I've seen that in a trailer. Okay, yeah, so it's in the trailer, yeah. and I, I really want to do something like that where occasionally I'll be like, this, like, uh, be like, uh, January 16th, uh, the time is 1.39 p.m., uh, and uh, this is where I am with the project. And then I, I go to, like, talk about it real quick for, like, five minutes. And um, and that would be the logs I would post on uh, the Patreon. I haven't seen the and... sun in days. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, that's the thing. I can play with that. I can do I can do that kind of thing for fun. Like, it's it's more personable. Like, people would, would, would enjoy a Patreon maybe for that alone. I don't know. But they're all there to support. At least I, I hope they're all there to support the development of the project, and not the, uh, and 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 not just like, I want content, mm-hmm. give me content, because it's it. We all know as developers that it takes time to make these things. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the purpose of the Patreon, and I hope to like add more to those videos, which would be which would be fun. Yeah, and that that was the end, <laughs> that was the end of the topic. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the end of that. Yeah. Yep. No, no, you you've got a you got a pretty cool concept for a Patreon, um, especially since your your goal is to really um, provide updates there. Um, because I I've, I suppose I I don't back too many Patreons, so there's probably actually more of a more than I, I'm seeing because you can do backer only updates. Um, but a lot of the Patreons that I see, they they update their Patreons like once a month. Like saying, "Hey, so what's going on?" But you, you're like, "Well, it's, well that's it's the thing blog. that scares me." It's because the thing is, is because uh, there's two things you can do with Patreon. There's the month-to-month uh, payments, and then there's the project-based payments. So people can either uh, they can pledge to a page, Patreon campaign, and it's the, to the Patreon campaign where either every month um, they they get money from it, or it's whenever a complete or the Patreon person decides, okay, this is a complete piece, it's a complete product. I'll send it out, and now you pay for whatever lump sum the Patreon has accumulated at that point mm-hmm. uh, from Patreons. 
And this time I'm actually deciding it's painful. It, it hurts me because I'm deciding to do month to month. And the reason why this hurts me is because I hate um, – not I hate the time commit uh, like the time uh, commitment of doing like a month to month thing, but I hate the asking people for money month to month, and not being able to provide something like a physical product every single time they've paid for it is weird to me. <laughs> it's, it's just I don't know if it's the it's the cons- like it's my like very conservative way of thinking, but like someone paid for something, they're gonna want something physical in return. And the fact that I can't provide a game to them, like I'm definitely not going to be able to provide a full game to them month to month, but I'll be able to provide like updates and just uh, just like if they can if they can like give out to this um, to this process and if they feel comfortable with it, cool. I am super happy that you're not going to complain to me. It's like, hey, where's where's my money's worth? I'm not getting my money's worth, and that scares me. It's like, where's I'm not getting my money's worth, and so I'm trying to I'm trying to treat it very like very much like. A personal project, but at the same time, it's still something people are are, are expecting, uh, like a return on in some way, and that's why I'm just trying to figure out, like, and that's also why in the Patreon campaign, I only did one dollar pledges, mm-hmm. and a one dollar pledge gives you full access to the Patreon. And the reason why my logic behind this is that you're you're paying a dollar. It is the least that you can that you can essentially pledge. If you decide to pledge more to it, that's your own that's your own like. So that's your own way of saying here's here's some like bit extra support, and that's fine. I'm happy regardless. I don't care how much you pledge. Pledging alone is just like, hey, cool, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Just it's like it's some sort form of like extra support. It's like having. It's like I don't know. It's like it's. I don't want to. I just want to make sure that this is a good thing I'm doing, not only for myself and and Lou like as a as a as a concept for a project, but. Um, for people to follow, like if it's interesting to them, then cool. I'm glad, but I don't know. It's just it's my whole like. I hope I don't I don't mess with people here. I hope I'm not like a con artist in any way because <laughs> that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to con you out of your money. I'm I'm perfectly fine with my contract work. That's I can make I can do this for free. But I feel like the Patreon is the best is an excellent way for me to uh, to project this project to 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 people and uh, to get their engagement and initiative in this. And I feel like also if you're pledging. When I make this content for someone, I feel like there's a lot more value to it. Like, I know they're I know they're pledging, and I know they they really want to see this go. So when I make a video for it, I know that they are actually de- genuinely interested in it. It's just like some extra way of confirming oh, yeah. that. That's that's an interesting viewpoint because they're, they're going to be more more interested in seeing the video because they've already backed you with your, their money, so they're already saying yes, I need this. So yes, or, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel yeah, like I you're just this. wasting time, right? <laughs> well, exactly. That's the thing is that you have like, um, if I were to make a YouTube channel out of this and I were to do day, uh, daily devlogs, I don't know, it wouldn't have the same, uh, to me at least, it wouldn't have the same con- uh, continuity or or, or um, uh, substance than if it was like people are, are legitimately are legitimately like putting down something to prove to you that this is something you should be doing or that you should proceed. Like that's like... To me, it's even if it's a dollar or a penny, it's it's validation that there's that there's people want something out of this, and I and I also just really suck at doing YouTube videos things like that that, that your whole whole like schedule thing and all that stuff. I'm really bad with video scheduling, but uh, <laughs> but the Patreon thing is is really good to me. I don't know. I feel it's 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 a smart way for me to put on a project that I feel it holds true to to 
holds true and close to me, and I really want to like proceed with this um, this endeavor. Hopefully, like my end goal is to have by the end of the year a handful of mockups, project mockups that I can work with in terms of VR, and a handful that I can't, that a handful that that failed throughout the Patreon, and I'm just like, ah, oh, fuck, this this is not it's not gonna work, and I throw it out, and, and it's like, okay, let's go on to the next next mockup, like. And by the end of the year, I would like to have a handful that I can pick and choose from, and and then bring make that a full fledged project that I want to do next year. Because uh, my goal, if everything goes all well and good by the end of the year, I think I'm just gonna I'm finally gonna like have because uh, I'm I'm gonna like try to get some sort of like studio or something like that, and uh, and start a project on my own. Because uh, contracting is fun, but uh, at one point, you know, you want to make your own game. Mm-hmm. And you also want, you know, secure income. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, right. Yeah. I don't have to, well, don't well, have to that, look for a contract. Even, even, even that doesn't secure income. <laughs> so it's like, even that my, what? My, even, even like doing my own studio and my own thing, that wouldn't even secure income either. Oh, I, I suppose not. But so, so it's like, so it's all risk. Everything's risk. Contract work or not, it's all risk. So, Video um, games. yeah, well, that, yeah, yeah. Any creative field is all risky. So. Really, the, the, my goal out of this is just to, uh, just I just want to make shit. I just want to make I just want to make things, and uh, if I can experiment and and get something out of it, then that's that's great. I'm glad. So uh, a project that I uh, remember because I I just remember getting so pumped and like it was so interesting to mm-hmm. to listen to you talk about it. Um, is the urban planning um, project? Yeah. You, you build your city. Yeah. That's something I'm actually going to bring uh, bring back with uh, the Patreon. Okay. Um, so mostly because I like, uh, yeah. So that's urban planning project for those listening who don't know what it is. The urban planning project that I had in mind was um, I really want to do. So I have a degree in urban planning. I am not a I am not an artist, uh, tra- trained artist or anything. So I have like, and that's that's my background. I have an urban planning degree, and I want to definitely make use of it with games. Like my. In my like when in my studies, I I, I, I learned pretty pretty quickly that um, urban design doesn't really have any like any way to formally teach people how cities are made, <laughs> and this whole Sim City thing is a complete joke. It's it's not at all how cities are made. <laughs> it's like or or how cities are planned to begin with. Like the entire process of planning a city, it's none of it is involved. Like and like the way. Um, um, well, all of it is involved, but like the way SimCity teaches it teaches you how like city planning is is not at all how it is. Not even like city skyline or any of that. None of that is 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 close to what it is. And um, and uh, the closest thing to it is actually um, the creators of City Skyline. Before that, they made um, uh, what was it called again? It was Cities in Motion, and okay. that was just a transport simulation game. And the transport simulation game was perfect. It, it it showed exactly, and it was very true to how uh, cities manage and design um, bus routes, and which is a very like it's a single thing, bus routes and like transport, just uh, public transportation. And I felt that was perfect. And I was just like, what if like what if I can show people that exact same process, but on a city planning level, which is very difficult to do. I still haven't figured out the the, the pro like the actual. Uh, uh, game design, but essentially, I'm trying to find a way to figure out a game design to best convey how, uh, for example, as an example, uh, example scenario, 
Um, a building needs to be torn down in a city. There's already an established city. That's actually the big thing in the, in the game I want to do, is that I want to build out an already established city. Mm-hmm. You're not building a city. You're helping change this, change this and fix the city to what you think is, is the best way to change or fix it. And, um, and what I'm trying to do, like, as a scenario, for example, is there's this building in this, uh, there's a build, specific building in the city that's totally worn out torn, uh, and, and feels like it needs to be torn down at this point. It's not benefiting to the city in any way, shape, or form, but there's this whole human, human rights thing and historical landmark uh, thing that's, that, that matters to this building. Now, you have multiple developers that approach you and say they want to they do different things with this building. One of them says wants to tear, totally tear it down and build something totally new to replace it, but leave a little statue on the side on the lot to commemorate it. And then, and then it's like, okay, there's that. Then you have another developer who says, okay, I want to just keep the facade. I just want to keep the facade of the building and uh, to like kind of commemorate it and, and be like this is and still keep the same like front end value of the city and the, the history of the city to it. But everything behind it is going to be like this giant condo. It's going to be completely different and all that stuff. And then there's this other developer who says, oh no, I'm going to keep the exact building as is just gut it from the inside, fix its entire infra- uh, structure within, and try to make use of it in some way, or try to make it some recreational area or something, community center. Often that happens. And um, and yeah, so like you have these three 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 developers that approach you, and it's up to you as the planner to decide where do we go with this. And there's pros and cons in each of these uh, choices. And then you you choose one, and then when it gets then like when you choose, and then you'll see the repercussions from it. What happens? Mm-hmm. What like and I want to build this out some way. Try to find the game design. The only thing I have in my mind that would work, like front, like off the bat, face value, is a somewhat <laughs> stick with me here. Um, uh, visual novel. <laughs> like, the, imagine the interface of a visual novel, like uh, those romance simulators. Oh. That would be the best. That would be the best way to approach it, because it's like. You would, I would, it's the only way to like the only way I can see in my mind is the uh, is that I would show the automatic repercussions of, of a choice that you make, and the pro- but the problem with that is that I'm also reflecting on what I personally think as a uh, as an urban planner, mm-hmm. what I personally think is the right right and wrong choice, and there's like whether or not I I try to be as neutral as I can, there's I'm gonna show right and wrong. Yep. People are going to see as something as right and wrong because they'll think that I think it's right and wrong to do a certain thing because I'm developing it. Yeah, it's almost and like you got to like have pros and cons of each and like try yeah, to well, that's try the best to balance thing I can do. it. The best way. thing I can do is show the, the legitimate pros and cons of something and show what that pro and con would 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 have an effect on something. Uh, like what effects would it would have? And but regardless of me showing that, people are going to see. Oh, you think that's the right thing to do because there's more pros than cons to this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like, I, and it's like, so I'm stuck on this this loop of like, shit. How am I going to approach this as, as like developing? How am I going to approach this as a designer and as an artist? And it's like, it's a lot of work. So I still don't know where I'm going to go with this project. But I plan on trying to bring it bring it with the the Patreon. And if I can try to get it to be a VR thing in an actual 3D uh, 3D space, then that would be really great. I would love that. So Ooh, VR. I'm yeah. gonna try to figure that out. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's like. That's my personal 
pet project that I would like to, as a urban planner and game developer, figure out one day to make a perfect, not perfect, but close to perfect uh, urban design game. And yeah, that's that's gonna be a bitch. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, I I do like the idea of a visual novel though. That's it's intriguing, and um... it's, it's it's definitely like not what you would expect. Uh uh-uh. uh Throwing someone like here's a here's a city simulation game, and it's a romance. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, one of the developers comes off. Uh, Notice me, senpai. <laughs> yeah, but it, well, actually, you would not be surprised. Um, there is there's such a thing as developers uh, really pandering to the city, and like that's the thing is you'll you'll get developers who pander to the city trying to get what the city wants, but in the end they'll kind of like they'll they won't know what they're doing. They'll con they'll con themselves. Into a into a bad situation, mm-hmm. and then you'll have the developers who 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 are are serious and know exactly what they're doing, and they know exactly like the the cost of things it's going to be. But in the end, the development they'll do, the development they'll make won't benefit everyone. Mm-hmm. And by everyone, I mean commu- the community and the, and uh, the government. Because in the end, that you have to try to please too. The government needs to be happy with what they can make, like being able to make use of a city of a city lot, and like being able to make use of the building that was built on it. And the community will will want to be able to like be like, oh, it's nice, it's pretty. I can make use of it. I can bring my kids to it. I can it like, and that's the hardest part is the community because the community is not one demographic. It's everyone. It's every demographic, and trying to make every demographic happy, as we all know, is impossible. So you're gonna have to like cut ends here and there, and it's it's a it's a difficult thing. So that's why I like if I can. Make a game that can show you that entire step by step process just once. Just a one step would be <laughs> would be like just a, the one development would be a game on its own. Which I would I think would be the best way to approach it. It's just on that. But it's too for me it's it's too mundane, it's too boring to to make a game for people. Cause no one like but at the same time, it's like maybe that would be interesting. I don't know. It's still a thing where I'm just like I'm not sure. People, I, I'm very, I'm I, I'm pretty good at at, at, tell, at like convincing people what would be interesting and like, oh this sounds fun. I don't know if it would be. <laughs> like, <laughs> you could like, like one, it's one thing to to hype on an idea than to actually make that idea something engaging and and then yeah so that's that's yeah it you could like it, try to add a real time element to it too where. Like, Plus, thing, the moment you add real time, it's simulation, and the moment you add simulation, it becomes a hell of a lot of work just to get proper. Because that's yeah. the problem: is that these city simulation games, they just put basic simulation systems. Their traffic systems are horrible. Because if they <laughs> if if they were to actually take traffic systems from cities, and because that all that data is, is is tracked, all of it is tracked, so you know exactly how a city functions day and night, traffic wise. If city if city skyline were to take that system and actually make use of it instead of building their own ridiculous system then maybe the results of their city simulations would be entirely different what would come up of that like it's there's this there's these all these factors that play into it because in the end a city catered to traffic will turn out completely different than a city catered to uh pedestrian traffic Mm-hmm. and that, that, that was the end of a, a conversation <laughs> i i love that so sometimes on the show it's just like you're, you're talking, and then both people just silent. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. Oh, oh. I, and then you didn't say anything. I was like, oh, maybe I actually lost that. <laughs> um, yeah, because you're even saying that, like, 
depending on like how they set up the the trash on this is back in your Twitch stream like how how they set up the trash can impact um oh man everything I remember that yeah, because you're, yeah, you're saying, yeah, like, like uh, they had underground... Man- waste management is a huge thing. Yeah. Like, it, it kills me when I'm, like... Because the way I design my cities in City Skyline is, like, uh, the only way to to, to, to design them sometimes is uh, you to do waste management. At least, I think the best way to do waste management is to put waste management closest to industrial areas mm-hmm. because they're not going to complain. Industrial uh, areas are not going to complain about the filth and the smell because they're in these giant factories themselves. They're causing filth and smell. So it's they, they're not going to complain. It's not an issue. But in City Skyline, it's like the um, the fumes from the waste management will just spill over to everyone. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's not how it works. That's not what actually happens. Like, you don't... And also, uh, the scale of things. Uh, I don't like the fact that um, in City Skyline that... Uh, they they split everything up by lots. Like you, you have to you, you gradually grow out your city, which makes sense. But to begin with, there's initial infrastructure that's going to be outside the city that cannot live within the city, and that's the big problem with the game is that they give you this lot and everything needs to be within this. It's like give me the entire thing. Like there's something like, um, like tw- sometimes there's ten lots that you can expand out to in city skyline. Your city can be massive, gigantic. And one thing they don't get, there's such a thing as uh, suburban, urban, well, I'm sure they get, but there's suburban, urban, because that's stuff everyone knows, but there's a purpose to these things. The reason why there are suburban versus urban, there's there's this reason for that divide. Like, there's a reason why you have farmlands and they don't become giant cities. Like, the way City Skyline and SimCity and all of these city simulations show it is that you're going to go from farmland to giant city. That doesn't happen. <laughs> that's, not how, that's not how it works. A city is a city is designed to be a city, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I'm just that's another tangent. A city is designed to be a city, and you can't design a game around the idea that you'll grow a, a town farm, a small town, into a giant city. That doesn't happen. A town turns into a uh, to at most a suburb, to mm-hmm. a very active suburb that has like now the definition of a suburb is becoming very very blurry. Because what suburbs used to be, which was um, just homes, is now, and just homes and schools, is now becoming homes, schools, malls, and full-blown, like, market centers. Mm-hmm. Like, that only happens, that like, that's how it happens now, and these games don't touch that. The games tried to create a divide on these plots, on, on these kinds of things. They try to create a divide on, uh, well, that's the weird thing. They create, try to create a divide on on city on different um, income structures and a city from a from a uh, a suburb, but they try to bleed the two in. They try to bleed the fact that these two will become one and only one. Mm-hmm. When it's like you need to have various infrastructures outside the city. The waste management is outside the city. You've never seen where in God's name are you going to have a, wa- a waste management system in the city? That doesn't happen. <laughs> That doesn't happen at all, and yet in Sim and Sim City and in City Skyline, that has to happen, and that's that's a design constraint that you have to work with, but it's also a design constraint that fucks with the entire system, because you can't like it's. I was going on. A, I was I was talking about this with another plan, uh, urban planning friend of mine that that hates Sim City, but um, <laughs> it's uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing that game designers face. 
that I also see very obviously like where do, I know exactly where games are made because of the way um, they're uh, like sim, uh, simulation games. I know exactly where simulation games are made because of the way that they're designing their uh, their good and bad outcomes. For example, mm-hmm. fun fact: Did you know in SimCity, um, like the the new SimCity, the, the new SimCity buses are bad. Buses are what? Are bad. What? Yes, if you actually noticed, um, the bus infrastructure will make people happy. Like the the fact that there's a bus route will make people happy. If you put a stop sign for a bus, people are going to be happy. You put a bus stop somewhere, it's going to create a negative buffer zone around the bus stop. Huh. Which is conflicting of actual, actual like stats. Like... People will be will be super happy to have a bus stop near another place. The closer to the bus stop, the higher the land value. The closer to the bus stop, the happier the people because they don't have to walk as much to, yeah. to a bus stop. So it's weird. It's this weird system. It's like if you put the bus station somewhere, people are going to be happy. You're going to see there's going to be, it's going to create a flow of happiness in SimCity. But the moment you place a bus stop, it's going to get little negative buffer zones because people are not happy with the sound, which is a huge thing that bugs me in the game is that they create this weird thing with sound it's like and so it bugs me because it's just it's it's not doesn't make sense it's the opposite people would hate to live next to a bus station but they would be happy to live next to a bus stop because mm-hmm. the bus station's always loud and it's all it's gonna smell like fumes because you're gonna have these giant buses just always always ventilating out there it's just it's a mess mm-hmm. like those, those infrastructures those those main systems and, and like buildings are what people don't like but the small things people like so i don't know it just didn't make any sense when i was doing when i was like trying to build up uh happiness in one area and it was not happening because i was because ha- I, I had two bus stops and i was like well i can't go to these bus stops <laughs> people need to be able to go to work and what's interesting is uh city skyline does a better job of it where they actually have uh transport where did the opposite effect they have to make transportation mm-hmm. highly beneficial to the city but infrastructure somewhat negative on the city in some ways like certain infrastructure d- just makes it really bad and i don't know it's like games have to strike a balance and that's where i fear it's like if i if you like uh, essentially if you noticed every game has a good and bad and they and by showing this good and bad the developers themselves show what they think is good and i don't i'm trying i would love to make a game that tries not to show that because everything has good and bad but I would like to show, like, you know, it's again, it's uh, it, that's where my education, like, my, where academia tries to, you know, when academia tries to influence a game to a point where it doesn't make any sense, where I'm, I'm, I'm always in this constant fight, where academia, uh, my academia side is just like, you can't make the perfect simulation mm-hmm. in a game, you can't, <laughs> and, and my game design, uh, um, sorry, my academia side wants that perfect simulation, but my game designer side is just like, you can't, that's not gonna happen. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to tell people what's good and bad. <laughs> you're gonna have to. And academia is just like, but it's not true. This is not. It's not the true results of things. And so it's like this huge fight, and it's a mess. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's why I don't think I'll ever be able to make like a proper game like that. But I'd like to make a game. Yeah, even on, if uh, even if you put education. something that's in the right direction, like, and and if you do live stream it or uh, like do early access, you'll get other people that are interested and passionate about it too that will that can mm-hmm. help guide your vision towards well, I feel the like right. maybe the Patreon is right. going to help with that like the Patreon has an uh, it keeps me open enough but also uh, strict enough so that I need to like 
uh, stick within constraints and people are going to tell like be tame with me and be like hey no don't <laughs> like this is too much Zach I don't think like I'm not gonna I'm gonna ret- and that's where that's is this is where I feel like it's, it has an impact your 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 dollar has huge impact on like what comes out of this is that you can be like I'm gonna pull out this Patreon now because this you're going into a weird place <laughs> it's like and it, it, like you're not you're not you're not in control of what what's going on and it's like <laughs> okay I get it I get it and see like that that kind of has an influence on where things goes and I like to have that influ- that outside influence a lot of people will think like oh uh, like a lot of developers don't uh, like they want to have their own way of doing things, and they're like, "Oh, I'll I'll make the I'll make the community listen, but they they won't really have an they truly like ulterior ulterior motive wise they won't really have an impact. I'm only doing this because I would like for them to see how it goes, and that's fun. That's fun to see how like how development goes. I like as a third person, as like mm-hmm. an omniscient, I'm not gonna involve myself in this, but. Um, uh, but uh, I like I like to have I like to see what people's impacts are on things. I like to know like what people actually feel on 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 ideas that I have and stuff like that. Mostly because like I alone cannot fig- I, I'm not I'm not perfect. I can't figure this out on my own. So your your two cents literally at this point uh, your two cents does have an impact on and does matter on what what what's going on. So that's why I do the Patreon because it's like it I feel like you're. Your dollar counts. <laughs> it really, truly does count. And if you can help me design like a super cool game in the end, which you end up, you probably, you guys will. Uh, like this first game idea that I'm doing with Lou is um, is more or less like a space, like a stranded space sim. Mm-hmm. Like you're stuck in space. You're uh, you're in this uh, station on on a planet, and all you have to communicate is a uh, is a uh, Morse code machine. <laughs> and with, and I, I actually spent some fr- some friend communicated with me. He was telling me how act- how legit my uh, my scenario actually it actually makes sense. So apparently, um, sound waves while they don't they don't communicate they don't communicate in space. Mm-hmm. It would make sense that I like the the scenario I had in where it was like you have satellites and antennas and stuff, and that's like the only way to, of communication is through uh, Morse code because that's actually the best form of uh, auditive communication that you can make in blank space. It's like sending out full uh, tape recordings and stuff like that doesn't make as much sense than if you were to do beeps that you can then translate. Yeah, those and, are and then you don't to... have to worry about aliens in, in uh, intercepting it because aliens don't know Morse code. No, they wouldn't know Morse code. <laughs> Mind you, they would probably figure it out over time if they're smart enough. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it'd be interesting. They, they would take it as a language too, if you think about it. It's no different from English. Mm-hmm. English is a little bit more obvious in terms of uh, in terms of like a language, but Morse code you can break it up into like actual white noise and be like, this does not make sense what you're trying to Morse code to me, but there's chunks of it that do make sense, so I'll try to put that together. <laughs> so see, it's it's I don't know. There's flaws. I'm not gonna get get into like how Morse code would would, would how you can con aliens with Morse code, but, <laughs> <laughs> but there's there's what I'm trying to say is that. It somehow made sense, my game design idea with just Morse code as communication. But the idea with this is I, I just want to have a server on the side uh, later on where um, uh, in the game everyone plays the same exact scene, build, and everything. The only thing that's server side is the communication system. And hmm. you all have the exact same tasks. You all have the exact same things to do, but 
the only thing that's random is environmental uh, environmental events, which will affect you. And 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 that's why it's, I want it to be very routine. I want this game to be like you literally have a routine to follow, and by the end of the day, you're like your you your character does his nine to five, and then like then what? <laughs> and then what? And all you have is this Morse code machine. So you're gonna end up talking. You're gonna start talking to people. What I'm curious about is what you're gonna talk about. Are you gonna talk about like? Are you gonna start like doing troll stuff and be like and do like uh, like hey, fuck you and all that stuff? Or <laughs> are you gonna actually have genuine conversations? Are you gonna say, hey, what did you do? Hey, what did you do? Did anything change with you? Was there like I want to see if people actually communicate within the game about the game, or if people communicate just to keep busy. Like it's just it's somewhat huh. a social experiment for me. Yeah, there there was a game a while back called a uh, Space Mail. Um, and it, it's not it's not similar to your concept in like the sense that you're an astronaut or anything. It's just called space email or mail mm-hmm. because you, you send out messages, but they kind of just go out there. You don't know who's gonna receive them, right? Okay. And then you just and you, you might not ever hear back from them either because I I think the way that it works is it just broadcasts it and whoever gets it gets it. Oh wow, that's a little bit messier. Um. What I had uh, so yeah, it was, it was kind of a. It reminded me of that, and that I don't remember how that ended up going. It was just a mess. That's interesting. Yeah, but this, See, this sounds like part a much of more that solid, that I would be taking. solid idea. It is. That's a very solid idea. Like just communicate. I feel like uh, empty anonymous communication on, on its own is really fun. And um, one thing I definitely want to put in the server for the chat, uh, the communication log is like um, the the output is going to be plain English. But the input is going to be Morse. Hmm. So you're typing in Morse is is the idea. The, and the only reason why is because I don't want people to actually have to be like attentive and have to really pay so much attention to what uh, what they're Morsing. Because I don't wa- I, I don't want to put like already trying to write Morse is going to be a pain and trying to like, communicate that with people and how to how to learn Morse code. But listening to it is an entirely different thing. And so that's why it's like if I I'm just gonna like try to get a system that can translate Morse code to English, which is probably somewhere I can probably pick that up somewhere. But um, mm-hmm. uh, the idea uh, is that you don't know who you're talking to. There's not gonna be names attributed to the person. There's no server name or anything like that. It's just like there's no like uh, anything. It's just you talk and someone will respond, but you don't know who the someone is. So maybe the one day you'll talk to the same, you'll talk to one person. The next day you'll talk to one person who you might think is the same person, but is someone else. <laughs> so you'll have to, you'll probably end up building these weird relationships. I, I'm my I'm oh, I'm definitely gonna put this in the video. I'm gonna have. Oh, you're you're cutting up. What comes from this? Can, oh, can, can, can you repeat that? Uh, I'm gonna do the thing with the Patreon where I'm gonna write out my hypothesis. Uh huh. I'm gonna write out like what actually is going, what I expect from from people, <laughs> uh, what I expect something or might happen, and then see what actually happens. Because what I what I'm expecting is people are going to are are going to like give themselves names or codes to <laughs> know who they are, and that's how they're going to communicate and be able to figure out who's who. That's what I'm thinking. I don't know if they're actually going to do that. It'd be really really cool though if they do something else. If they if they speak in full blown code, like not only are they speaking in Morse, but they're writing in a gibberish language, <laughs> that would be really interesting. Maybe if they figure out like, oh, it's faster to not only write in Morse but write in these weird characters, 
Huh. Like if they type A, if they do like A C D, if they speak like A C D G D, and people won't be like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 I get it. And they and they speak in their own code, just because it's quicker. I don't know. I wouldn't know. That would be really interesting. I don't know if that I would have that would happen. Yeah, you create your but, own like uh, uh, acronyms and slang and like exactly kinda like, like texting. How there's a are different. Are people gonna exactly like people? Are people gonna bother really writing out in full blown Morse? And write out not only sorry not write out in full blown Morse they're gonna write in Morse but are they gonna bother writing out in full blown English like stru- structured words and sentences which I doubt they're gonna do commas and periods and shit but uh, <laughs> or are they gonna do their own like like uh, di- new dictionary their new language the same way how uh, texting has its own dictionary mm-hmm. and it's like. I, I'm really curious about this, but that's that's the purpose of that game that I want to build out and pay, on on uh, build out through Patreon, and that like uh, so that's why I'm, the whole purpose of that. So what I'm trying to build is, uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it by the end of the month, but by the end of the month I'd like to have a physical object, a physical thing that you can you can play with. End of this month. And, yeah, end of this month. I'd like to Ooh. like something you can play with, whether. It might not be the actual game that I'm that I'm pitching right now, mm-hmm. but I would like it. Probably, it's probably going to be like uh, the scene that you can look in through VR. That's that. That's my goal. I would like to get a physical uh, object. Uh oh, you're because I already have like a I have like a step step by step that I've laid out. That I'm gonna explain the uh, Patreon, so you need. Huh. Sweet. Yeah. A lot of a lot of ideas and a lot of uh, a lot of thoughts on on my on this, and that's why I'm doing the Patreon. So. Just, just one more one more project. <laughs> one more project, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I, it's healthy uh, for me. It's healthy. It's like the only way for me to not burn out on projects. Yeah, the, it's. I I, I, I totally like, understand that though, because if if you're always working on new stuff, then you're always having this fresh mind. It's like it's like cleansing yourself. Well, it's like Felipe was saying that first that first month of uh, of world creation of layout and brainstorming that's the fun in making a game, yeah. and that's what this Patreon that's what this Patreon is about is creating this fun thing all the time and having like having these ideas and the stuff that I'm going to talk about and and try and that's there so that I don't burn out. That's there so I I like I keep my creative juices flowing because staying stuck on one project all the time. Like if I were to only do my contracts, I'm like while I do have a handful of them. Uh, I'm probably gonna burn out on one, two of them because I'm always working on it. I can't always be thinking about them. Yeah. And so, so yeah, that's 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 that, and that's that's really why I feel like. So people when they're saying like, "What's your?" I remember the first time I actually uh, Felipe. If you're still, if it's a Felipe, I think it is. <laughs> if you're still in the, uh, if you're still in the chat, um, let me know. But uh, I remember there was. Um, the first time I met him, oh yeah, he's still there. Cool. The first time I, I, I and this is faster than Twitch. I like it. <laughs> the first time, the first time I, I physically, uh, well, physically online met him was through uh, Nabaru, and the fir- and I remember it was about the how do you how do you not burn out on a project, mm-hmm. or how do you get out of a burnout? And this is my response to that: is not create full blown projects, but create little ideas that get your juices flowing. Other things outside of the project that get you going, so that you can then, so you get your creative juices uh, coming again, and you're able to like pick up on a project that you were stuck on before. 
Like that's 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 what I'm doing. It's the, probably the worst advice I can. If I were to go back on that topic that we were just on that topic on Nabiru and like say that, people would be like, "What the hell? What kind of what kind of suggestion that? Do more work." <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense because everyone's everyone's stuff was like, "Oh, just go watch a movie or like listen to music." I think my suggestion was listen to music because music helps, but it does. And uh, but yeah, that's like my stupid response is do more projects. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you, you said you're working on stuff. Work on more stuff, duh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Felipe saying that he he knows it's what you're talking about. Oh yeah, ha ha ha. So, yeah, yeah. The first time we met was was at Indicate. I'm I'm sure you still remember that. I do. I do. <laughs> we were at the night in the in the woods booth, and <laughs> I I I asked if any of the developers were there and then you started yeah. staring at me and I was like what the heck <laughs> did I was I staring, I'm sorry. staring. it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a staring but you were like you're like surveying me and I was like what's going on like what where's this about to go and then you're like oh you follow me on twitter <laughs> and I was yeah, like oh yeah what oh yeah, my gosh yeah. y2b crazy and you're like yeah that's me and we started Going crazy because who meets people that they know on Twitter? But well, that's the thing is you were the only I think you were the only person who actually has their uh, their face on a Twitter icon mm. on a Twitter avatar, and that's why I was staring at you because like I recognize that face. <laughs> I know oh yeah, face. yeah, I, I totally know that you were like trying to figure out where I was from, yeah. but I was gonna and, like uh, what what's going on here? I was trying. I, I I couldn't remember your like full name. I was like. Brett, Brett, and yeah, yeah, I figured. It. I figured. Okay, so Felipe does the same thing in terms of uh, to help with the with uh, the the slumps or the the, the blocks, the, the artist blocks that you have. Mm-hmm. Find, finding new original sources of inspiration, starting new projects falls into this category. He thinks, and I'm like, yeah, cool, good, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing. So same thing, different. Like uh, same. Uh, what is it? Oh god, I don't know the analogy. I'm bad with analogies. <laughs> same shit different story or something like that I don't know yeah so, something like yeah. that but uh, <laughs> really broken but uh, yeah that's the idea and uh, yeah but yeah seeing I remember Night in the Woods because uh, you didn't know you wanted to see the developers but I knew of the developers like I knew um, well I knew of I knew I knew the developers Alec and them and so mm-hmm. I remember I think I was talking to you about the game and what they're doing and stuff oh yeah yeah you were explaining to me and I was like yeah I kind of already know like all this funny. but I'll, I'll miss it situation <laughs> Because it was like um, right before Indicade, there was um, uh, there was a thing in Toronto called Gamer Camp, okay. and, that in, uh, and that's where I met Alec because uh, oh, he was presenting uh, Night in the Woods, and we became fr- that's where we became friends. And like from that, I learned about Night in the Woods, and then like the um, I think it was right after Indicade, right after Indicade, he's no 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 right before Indicade, I think or after it was after yeah it was after. He stayed at my place, and he he was working on Night in the Woods. He stayed at my place for like I think like a week or something. You know, what? I and think I remember that. It was interesting, yeah. And that's uh, I was just like that was a weird thing. Yeah, no, Alex, super cool. Uh, we had him on in 2012, I think, maybe. Two thousand thirteen. It was a long time ago. Damn. Yeah. It's it, true number seventy. Oh, yeah. Because so, this is it's a weekly thing, right? Uh, every other week. Uh, every other week. Okay, yeah. so yeah, that, that that would stretch out to 2013. Yeah, damn. Yeah, it, it was it was broadcast 25 or 26. Um, 
So wow, long time ago. Holy shit, back in the, man, yeah, that was five years ago, man. <laughs> yeah, if if, if, uh, you, if you look at the uh, the broadcast after this, you, you just just the title, well, you'll be like, whoa, what? Um, I, I I don't know how how far back your recollection of Alec goes, but uh, I don't know. I've I only been in, in the in the industry for like two years. Oh, okay. So well, then I'll be news to you. <laughs> my, my recollection of anyone is probably really slim. Yeah, but, just uh, just uh, listen to that that podcast sometime, and you'll just be like, "Wait, holy mm-hmm. crap!" Mm-hmm. Like, I love that. I love. He's I love come so back far in just a few years, and he, he was already like really far. But oh, yeah. So I would definitely, I would definitely check that out. But uh, uh, yeah, does anybody anybody in the chat have questions? Uh, it, it looks like it's just Felipe today. Uh, pretty quiet day. There's a dude called Pikmin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. all walk in. I, I I see him often. Um, sometimes he chats, sometimes he doesn't. He I, I think he has us on his like auto list for IRC or something like that. Okay. So. Right. Oh, Soli. Oh shit. Ooh. Uh, it's the uh, musician for VVV. VVVVV. Yeah. VVV. There it is. Hey, Magnus. <laughs> hey, Soli. How you doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Magnus, right? That's his name. <laughs> I can ask noob questions. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that's, like, the, the bunch of projects I have. Uh, but, yeah, my, my main thing is I would like to release, uh, first things first, right, is to release Critical Annihilation, uh, which should be soon. Also, I'm organizing, what is it? Uh, I'm going to try to organize a thing with Twitch so that um, I already have it with a live streamer. There's a live streamer who wants to live stream the game on release, mm-hmm. and I'm totally cool with that. I'm organizing that, and he's a big streamer, uh, if his name is um, his stream name is uh, crap uh, indie something indie okay I think it's just indie actually I, 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 if, if it is just indie I, I know exactly who you're talking about yeah bi- uh, dude big beard yeah yeah indie indie yeah it's indie um, and uh, yeah he's the uh, uh, he's a live streamer I'm going to be doing it with and he told me like how Twitch has this whole promote thing where if you let them know like two weeks in advance before the, ga- uh, the game releases or you think the event thing you want to do, they'll uh, be happy to like put the pro- the 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 uh, broadcast on their front page. So I'm oh, gonna no try way. to gonna try to organize that to get that working. If that happens, then I think we'll be good. Uh, like I'm not looking for like giant press or anything like that because uh, the game is gonna be in early access. It's not a full release, but. Uh, but the game is also at a point where it's very, very, very playable. So, like, it's almost done. I think in the campaign, I only have I have four bosses to make, but uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of work. <laughs> That's all there is, though. It's just four bosses, so it's not so bad. Oh, Felipe, uh, he—that's kind of why I brought up Indicate. Um, he uh, he asked, "Will you be at GDC this year with stuff to play?" Hmm. Sadly, no. Actually, because uh, I took on this, um, like, what the contracts I've taken on, I really can't take uh, the week of GDC. Also, the conversion rate for the Canadian dollar is horrendous. Oh, yeah, I saw that the although, other day. Although I'm sure it's bad with for, like, a lot of other countries like Brazil and, and Mexico, uh, like, where the peso is almost a tenth of a penny or something. I don't know. It's a tenth, sorry, a tenth of a dollar. And, um, and how uh, uh, Brazil, like, in Brazil, it's something like three times... Like a mm-hmm. thirty, pay, it's like yeah, it's like three times the amount to for everything. You just do times three, and that's essentially the value. It's super expensive. Four times, oh god, times in Brazil. Ooh. And uh, yeah, so like that's I'm not gonna go to GDC. 
that, but I'm definitely going to GDC the following year. Uh, that's I already have plans for that. Um, and throughout the year, I'll be I'm going to try to go to PAX and other things. I'm going to actually try to like later this year try to get something with um, other events. Sadly, not GDC, but that's fine. GDC is also not really a like it's a very no. There's the mega booth and stuff. I'm, I'm lying. I was about to say it's it's like it's not that. Oh, things. You, so you, uh, the last thing I heard is it's it. Uh, I'm not even so, sure. Yeah, we lost you for like five seconds. Uh, okay, so it's just uh, GDC. I was just it's just like how I, I almost lied to myself and to everyone how GDC is not a big thing for indies, but it's also a big thing for indies. It's very <laughs> much a big thing for indies. Um, but uh, no, I, I I want to bring my game around, but uh, also this game is not much of a game that uh, I don't think the programmer he's cool with uh, me bringing it places. Actually, yeah, that reminds me, I'm gonna. Go to what is it? The Ottawa International Games Conference. Ooh. Uh, I got invited to apply as a speaker, so I'm gonna apply as a speaker, and uh, hopefully I get it. That'd be sweet. All my stuff last year way ahead. Oh, that's smart. I should have done that. Oh yeah. Uh, so I asked, is or is not the economy gonna tank <laughs> completely? <laughs> Non-serious question. question. Non-serious question. It is. Oh man, I would think it would be for me. It would be super entertaining to see that the economy just tank completely. <laughs> at least in Canada, <laughs> I'm really curious to see what would happen if the economy in Canada would tank. And I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. Like, they're, I think they're low. Like, slightly serious. Their low is going to be 56 cents to the dollar. Jeez, which is horrendous. That's awful. But great, but also great because I get paid. I get paid contracted <laughs> in USD. So <laughs> it's like. Yeah, that, that's like, the only thing that I'm looking forward to because I'm going to be moving up to Vancouver as I as I've told you in the past, and uh, like I, I do the conversions, and I'm like, oh, it's lower now. Cool, my money means more. <laughs> if you were cut off from electricity for six months, what would you do? Oh man, that's scary. I would. I can't even work because because <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm a 3D artist and not a 2D, so I can't draw or anything. I would draw though. Um, let's see. If I was cut off from internet. For six months, shit, that's scary. Mm. That's a, six months is a long time, if you think about it. Because that's not cut off from electricity means, like, internet, everything. Everything which is modern-day life. <laughs> so <laughs> I'd probably, if that was the case, six months, I would just, hell, I would just move up north. I would go to a log, like a, a cabin or something, and uh, and just um, and uh, and just uh, try, to, try to live, like, a, like a hunter's life. <laughs> Would you put on a, a fishbowl on your head and start so... typing in Morse code? No, not <laughs> Somebody you please respond. You need electricity for that. You, you need electricity for that too. No, I would. I would oh, uh, definitely. You do. I would definitely have my like cousins teach me hunting and and be like, you know what? I'm gonna go up north and just be a hunter and live in a cabin and get a, and bring my bring a dog with me. Not my dog because my dog's a poodle, so it would not <laughs> help. Um. <laughs> Yeah, my dog would just would just run around and and think he's tough, but he's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, the indie indie apocalypse is also a weird thing. I don't think it's gonna happen. The indie apocalypse. The only big difference is actually I think it's much better. The indie scene is much healthier now than it was before. Uh, before it was very much the one in ten thousand chance to succeed. Uh, no, one in one million chance to like succeed. Whereas now it's one in ten thousand. Every month you'll have. You'll definitely have your like big indie game, mm-hmm. which is very healthy. 
if you think about it. It's the same thing with it's the same thing with AAA. Every month you'll have your big AAA game. So it's and the only the only big problem with uh, indie is the um, barrier to entry. Yeah. So that's where people feel it's like an indie uh, indie apocalypse, where there's so many there's so many indie games coming through the door. How are you going to have one that succeeds? And I'm just like, well, it's like that with any any industry, really. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, it's the big difference. Like there's steps to it. Like there's steps to making a game that you know will do well, <laughs> at least like somewhat well in the industry. Like it's a whole market research thing too. Like you can't go go into indie games blind and be like, I'm gonna make this game. Here's this game design. Like here's this game design that I mean, I I just barely wrote down on this napkin, and it's gonna be amazing. <laughs> no, like everyone, no matter how amazing the idea is, everyone's gonna tell you, and everyone can t- honestly tell you it's not gonna do well. Yeah. Because yeah, it's it's like Felipe says, it's about doing good projects that can sell. It's an industry now. You need to you need to be able to. You have to plan. You have to be a marketer. Yeah. in some way. That, that's how a lot like, of people are approaching projects now. There, it's like yeah. Okay, so I need uh like the, the thing with my game is that it it can be streamed on Twitch. It's it's totally gonna be a Twitch mm-hmm. hit or or yeah. oh it's it's a local multiplayer uh, couch uh you know. Towerfall esque uh, craziness, so they they yeah. they target certain groups now. Yeah, there's there's different targets for everything. Yeah. And you need to, you need to work with that. You can't just be like my market is is anyone who's gonna take it. No, there's no such thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no such thing. And um, <coughs> uh, when I like and what I find indies benefit versus uh, benefit from versus AAA, which is why I never again I don't think there's a such a thing as indie apocalypse or there's going to ever be an indie apocalypse. Is because like you have game jams. There's a reason why game jams yep. exist. Game jams, like which is also another scary topic. How <laughs> game jams, it, like they shape the games and they give you an idea of what games do well and how and like why games do well. And you can work with that. If your game does well in a game jam, like now you have Ludum Dare, which you can easily make use of. Oh, okay. I'll take. I'll answer this uh, in a bit. Um, if Ooh. if like if um, like if you know if your game jam does well enough or if you like it has good reception you know you can make something. Mm-hmm. You look at the game, look at your game jam, and then you're like, okay, now let's look at it critically. Like, can we make something from? Can we make a full game from this? Can we like actually design something that we can sell in a couple of months? Uh, a couple, jeez, um, in like six months' time. If you think you can make something in that much time and then spend X amount of months polishing it, then you got something on your hands. You got something that you can work with. There's there's a market that you can you can appeal appeal to. Yeah. There's definite definite reception that someone liked it. Like uh, that's how Critical Annihilation came to be. Is that Markiplier played it? It got two million hits on YouTube. Whoa. And people and people emailed us floods telling us make this game, make this game. Where can I get this game? Because it was on it was on Game Jolt. You can play it on Game Jolt, the original one. <gasps> game Jolt, yeah. But that was it. And I was just like, ah. Oh man, I can't. I can't. Like, like now, that's that's a little easier for me to work off of. Like, I know the game might not do great, or at this point, it's been a while since that happened. But I know there's something someone's gonna enjoy it because the gameplay is fun. So yeah, now I'm gonna go to Soul's questions. He has a lot of questions here, which is fun. Tell us one one defining moment in your life. Um, I'm gonna have a sip of water while I think about that. Oh man. And uh, okay, so let's see. One defining moment. Um, I would say 
last year of university when I wanted to experiment with being more uh, experiment more with like art and my defining the defining moment is when I played Fez and I realized I can and, and I found the, the tool the voxel tool cubicle Ooh. when I found the voxel tool cubicle everything turned I said I, I figured out like I can probably I can make games with this it has a whole pipeline. It has a whole system that I can actually work with. That there's, I can be a 3D artist without having to be like a full-blown 3D AAA artist. Because I studied urban planning. I wasn't, I wasn't willing to go and get another degree in 3D art. <laughs> and, and I already knew how to do modeling because of urban planning. But again, it wasn't like high fidelity models or anything. So I was just like, oh man, that was my defining moment. Is when I found that tool and I, and I, and I knew like I found a path that I can find. It was again, that was a market. That I found a nook that I was like, hey, I can capitalize on this. Voxels. No one's doing art with voxels. Or like adequate, I found at the time. Adequate art with voxels because I hated Minecraft. I didn't like the style of it. So yeah, <laughs> that was the defining moment. Do you have any hidden talents? Hidden? When you say hidden talents, it makes it seem like, do you have, do you have like any like, I don't know, body-based talents that are hidden to the world? Um, well, it's just um, skills that most people don't know about because you don't I'm a, I'm a dancer. Oh, see? I, I didn't know that. Uh, I've trained in dance for 18 years. Whoa. And I trained at the National Ballet for a year. <laughs> so uh, I wasn't part of their school. I just I, I, I took, I took course, extra courses with them. And, uh, yeah, that's that's uh, a hidden talent, I guess. There you go, yeah. I have uh, no idea. Then, like, would you tell us something about you that nobody else knows? <laughs> The previous statement. <laughs> there, there we go. <laughs> previous statement. Uh, nobody else knows. Uh, well, a lot of people do know I'm a dancer, but uh, the national ballet thing, very few people know. Close to no one um, thing. That's that's yeah. That that was actually a really really fun experience. We're we're getting the scoop. We're we're writing up a blog post after this. Zach Soros, national ballet dancer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not a national ballet dancer. That's, that's, <laughs> I actually but, 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 I, I tried I tried actually I'll tell you something nobody else knows I tried leading uh, before I went to university and before I decided to do anything with games uh, my initial pursuit in life was to be a professional dancer I like that's why 18 years in dance I was rigorous dan- uh, like training and all that stuff and in the end it fell through because uh, National Ballet told me I was too short to be a professional male dancer <gasps> yeah yeah no Ouch. It, but it's an, it's an, like now looking at it, I was as a kid, it was devastating. I was what sixteen, and I trained like most of my life, uh, pretty much all my life at that point, to be there. And then they're like, "Sorry, you won't be able to be do this as a professional." Sorry and about just, that. Did, no, did okay. you hear that? Yeah, but it's fine. It oh, that's very... there's a toy in here that's going off. Are you trying to find it? Uh, if it goes off again, I will. No, it, nobody's been in here though, so. <laughs> It's just randomly malfunctioning. It must have low batteries or something. Oh man, amazing! Sorry about but that. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's cool. So yeah, so that was that was it. They told me, and that's why I I still took like a few years. I went even in university. I took a course in like contemporary dance and stuff. Uh, I've done every almost every dance, and it's fun. It's a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, my initial pursuit in life was to be a professional dancer. Huh. Yeah, that, that's something that I've always kind of wanted to get into. Is uh, because I because I know that I'd probably 
be good at it. Um, Dancing? <laughs> <laughs> not not to sound like like breaking or anything, but uh, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Like, like I, I don't know. I I feel like I like my my friends have taught me a few things, and like I, I catch on kind of fast. So I I have a feeling that I'd at least learn fast. So I'm I don't know sure, if yeah, I'd be good, but I'd figure it out you, pretty fast. If you think you can learn fast, and that's great. That's that's an excellent thing to have being able to learn fast. But also, it comes down to you know practice. Yeah, that's so, yeah. true. Uh, more questions. Yes. Yeah, What's the fun. biggest risk you've taken? Pursuing games, pursuing games. <laughs> um, I'm not kidding. Like I'm not kidding you. Um, uh, I like I, I pretty much went went bust until like I tried. Well, I was let's see. Um, I had made a, a, a huge gamble with my family, uh, telling them that I am not going to apply to jobs. I'm going to try to pursue a job, my own job, in co- being a contract voxel artist in games. And when I told them this, I t- I gambled and I said. If by September of 20, 2014, I cannot make a living wage off of this, I'll quit games. And that's the only way I got my family to get off my back. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a diehard risk that I that I took. And I was so I put in hundreds and hundreds of hours so I can get to a point where I can like make a living off of it. And now I could. So like and it was like few months before September of 2014 when I got the um, the job proposal for uh, um, doing the voxel MMO voxel lots when I got that it was a few months before that that was that, like that September it was I think it was like in uh, April March I got them to approach me at GDC actually I just met with the, the CEO at the time and then in, in like April that's when the contract and all that stuff happened and yeah, that's and like at that moment I was just like, yes, it happened. I can be a voxel art, professional voxel artist, and like I then like my family was just like, yeah, congratulations. Now don't fuck up. And, <laughs> but like it, it was that was that was my huge risk, huge huge risk, because it was either it was like pursue or not pursue. It was like not those things where people like do it as a hobby and then and then like or forever. Like a lot of people do it on the side until like they're fifty, and and like I I wouldn't be able to do that. Do that. I I just couldn't. And, uh, yeah. What's the most fun or interesting place you've traveled to? What'd you do there? Oh, shit. Um, France? North, northern France? I went to, uh, old, uh, medieval castles and Ooh. stuff. And we, uh, and I, I got to try out a bunch of torture machines in those castles. <laughs> <laughs> the one torture machine I hated, which they, like, they said, don't do it, but me and our friends we were really stupid and i decided that uh it was the um the very tame mind you very tame uh you sit in a chair and they put a metal shackle at your neck and you're stuck there essentially you can't you really can't budge your arms and legs are free you can move your arms and legs but you're sitting in this chair and your your neck is shackled and the this is something they did in the time when people had to uh like punishment was this was a form of punishment and it was they would throw pebbles, not rocks, pebbles at you while your cha- when while while your your throat is cha- shackled to this chair. And like we 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 threw like instead of pebbles, we threw snowballs because <laughs> it was it was winter. But uh, and it was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It was painful. Um, but I saw I saw like a snowball that went right by my head and hit the the, the back the back of the the chair. Like, that's when I was just like, yeah, I see how this is a major form of torture. Because, like, it's one thing to get hit in the, the body. 
and like being chained up uh, at your arms and hands, but you can move your head. You can dodge with your head a little. When you're when you're tra- shackled in, at the neck, you cannot move your head. People have a like they can fix adjust or aim to hit your head, and they'll always hit your head after that. It's so scary. So I can see how that was a huge form of torture. Huh. It was that was fun. A lot of fun. It, it was fun was being super- tortured. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So so when you're done with games, you're gonna you're gonna become a spy for the Canadian government. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, oh yeah, yeah you, need, you need somebody to go over and be tortured. I, I'm your guy. <laughs> favorite movie? Ah oh, man, that's a tough. That's a tough one. Uh, favorite movie? Uh, it's actually not too, not so tough. Maybe it is. I forget the name of it. No, I don't. If forgetting your the favorite name of your uh, forgetting the name of your favorite movie is a bad thing. It's called um, Titan AE. It was a car, it was a animated uh, movie. Hmm. I don't know if any of you remember that. Yeah, I think I think it's Disney. The same same art as um as uh what is it called? Atlantis, the Lost City of Atlantis. Ooh, there. I love it. Or Treasure. Yeah, and uh, same same art style. But uh, Matt Damon was the voice of the main character. I didn't. I learned this way after. But uh, that's my favorite movie. That's my favorite movie. Uh, reason why I love the the mix of uh, the mix of just the, um, the concept arts and like the the art in it is incredible, and the concept of the ga- of the movie would make it for a beautiful game. I find, mm-hmm. uh, and the, the the and also the like the story was just it was, at the time when I was watched it, I was I, I was amazed by it. I thought the yeah, yeah, concept was incredible, where this father made this machine that would that had all the all the all the uh, the chemicals necessary to create a second Earth. Not find an Earth, create a second Earth. He made a machine that can create an Earth. That, But the only way to do that is to place the machine in a specific oh spot in the galaxy because of the cer- because of certain like um, molecules in that space would agitate it a lot better. And yeah, I just thought it was really, really cool. And I just, yeah, I would love to explore that. Yeah, I, I looked it Dreamworks. up on uh, on Google. Cool. Yeah, it's Titan yeah. AE. Yeah, Matt Damon. It's uh, yeah, it's space steampunk ish, uh, high sci fi because like the aliens that are in the in the in the in the, fil- in the film are all made of they're made of uh, electrons, electricity. They're pure electricity, but yet they sh- they have a physical form. It was really interesting. What's yeah, <laughs> so it. <laughs> it's totally got uh, Disney's uh, look, but it doesn't look mm. like it's Disney. No, uh, yeah, Felipe said DreamWorks and and or Fox Animation, one of the two. Yeah. Which, which, yeah, that's that's awesome. <laughs> Soul Eye, uh, favorite shiptoon artist whose name begins with S and ends with Ol Eye. Man, oh man, um, Seul Eye. Uh, maybe? Super Ghoul Eye. No. Yeah, so like, you have really good music. I enjoy music a lot. It's fun. Yeah. Soli is but, also uh, a really yeah. cool person, too, outside of music. Yep. So he's got yep. that going for him, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you see, like, that, that's one of my favorite things about the indie scene, is that there's mm-hmm. there's people like you and Soli that not only produce amazing work, but that you guys also... <sighs> really? Okay. But that you guys also have, like, these really exciting personalities and are fun to talk to. So... Oh, well, you know, it's also in the, in the AAA industry. Just they're 
they're uh, they're contractually contractually uh, obliged to not speak. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is which is a shame, and that's like the one thing I'm afraid of if I were to ever somehow do voxels in the AAA industry. Yeah, I, I guess I wasn't really saying like versus the AAA industry. I was just saying in general, like the indie community, like no, it's just full of yeah, these, the indie community is a lot of fun. these great people, super friendly. Yeah. yeah, whereas like in music, you have super eccentric people. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and, and when you ask them questions, you get these really interesting answers, and you're just like, interest, okay, yes, <laughs> do tell more. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah, no, it's just uh, I don't know. I find I find that that industry is super awesome, super friendly. Like uh, the only reason why I'm, I am where I am is because of uh, the indie industry and how friendly everyone is, and the community is so great. Like being like, I put a lot of effort into communicating with people, but um, just how welcoming they are makes it so much better. Mm, absolutely. And, uh, and it, I remember that was something my friend. Uh, I have a friend who does short uh, stop motion films, and uh, and like he's an animator too, but like he does a lot of stop motion stuff. And he was just saying how in film. The indie industry in film is entirely different. Like, there's none. There's no indie industry in film. Because indie industry in film, like, self-made, a self, like, there's no, you can't, you can't, you can't be as, you can't be successful as an indie film artist or anything like that, which is scary, which is weird. Mm-hmm. I think, I don't know if it's the same applies to 2D animation, but I know it is for, and I know it's, I know it's the case for stop motion and for just film in general. But it's like it's a very scary thing, and like there's no. And I uh, he and I was telling him like there's like there's no like community of people who talk amongst each other and like try to help out and all that stuff. He's like, no, there's none. And I find that really scary. Yeah, that. And so I'm really, I'm really like, yeah, like in film, I guess yeah, in film you need publishers, like it's needed mm-hmm. in that case or something. Like that. And it's just, and it's just oh man, that was technically I'm really the grateful. games industry though. Uh, it's just ten years ago. If you wanted to be an indie Not and really, be though. successful, you kind of needed a publisher or or to get on some some big platform, which was yeah, much yeah. harder to okay. do back then without a publisher. That's true. It was uh, in terms of distribution and being like successful, it was a lot harder back then. It's really like games. All indie developers should be super grateful of the the, the fact that there's the internet. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, uh, so uh, I but maybe if there was like. Uh, Netflix or some other service that that's you know internet based. Um, I mean, Netflix does have a lot of indie movies already, so I guess I'm kind of already saying it. But like, <laughs> if if there was something that that gave them more of a a, a front, maybe it would help help them out. Yeah, because, no, like, definitely. Steam, but... Steam does that for us. And, the yeah. Steam is a scary thing. So like people say it's not a monopoly. It's a monopoly. I don't care how how you slice it. It's a monopoly. <laughs> Like you, if you like, uh, I have a friend who no longer like sells through Steam, and he or just friends in general who who've given me uh, rates and stats on Steam splits versus other um, other output uh, like outputs like Itch and all that, and uh, Itch and Humble, and Steam makes up more than eighty percent of all revenue, mm-hmm. and that's scary because that eighty percent is what's needed to live. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care how how you slice it, because a monopoly means that they have full dominance on the industry. They have full dominance on the industry, while they statistics uh, like uh, while they like literally don't have full dominance on the industry for uh, digital distribution and games. They have dominance in the industry on a like enough so that in, like if you have, they they have more than fifty percent, and that's significant. 
Yeah. It can be 50, it can be 70. Yeah, yeah, well, you're right, Felipe. It depends, like, that's, I mean, that's also a marketing thing. The outreach, like, um, the outreach on uh, digital distribution is very difficult. And Steam tends to be a very simple way, not an easy way, but a simple way to do it because you, you're on the platform, everyone's aware of it, and sales can help out with that. But it's just, it's weird. I'm afraid. <laughs> that's why it's like, I'm glad I'm releasing on Steam. But, uh, but at the same time, like, Critical Annihilation, we'd like to do console. We're having a huge issue. Like, this is also why we're doing early access with it. Uh, controller support. Because the game uh, has point and cl- uh, it's, like, it's mouse and keyboard. And it's based on the, mount- the reticle of the mouse, where, your position- where you're positioning your mouse is where the bullet will end. Where, where, it'll-, where it'll make uh, contact. And uh, that's uh, something that uh, right. I feel... <laughs> you're good? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna find this toy and kill it. <laughs> yeah. So if you're if you have a publisher and sell on Steam, you can live on good old exposure like the old days. Yeah. Wait, is this sarcastic? I don't know. It's hard to read sarcasm, but I feel like that's the case. If you have a publisher and you're and you publish through Steam with the publisher, then you can definitely you can do definitely do fine. Like I have a friend uh, who uh, who's uh, selling who's selling through a publisher on Steam, uh, on Steam soon. And he was telling, I was telling him, I was like, how, how, do the, how does the publisher feel? Like, do you think they'll, you'll be fine? And he's like, he's like, oh yeah, the publisher's expecting like X amount of sales, and and I'm like, wow, those actually are good figures. <clears throat> and he's like, yeah, it turns out like because they're going to sell the game at X amount, and with X amount of sales, that's like, so publishers have based on their personal marketing because they have these stats, they're able to market it properly, they're able to like make good enough sales for, for developers to survive. And I find that's really interesting and that's really good. I'm glad. But it's also I guess like the only issue with publishers that people had was um and have is that uh publishers are very difficult to work with. But it mm-hmm. seems like nowadays you you have like a lot of publishers are super good. Like there's uh there's uh, what are they called? Um Devolver? Well there's yeah there's Devolver. There's one that starts with an N um Oh crap! Uh, I was gonna look for. Yeah, it's like their uh, Nikudi or something like that. I haven't heard of that. Oh, what games? Uh, I forget, <laughs> but uh, it's like Nikudi or something like that. And uh, actually, I think Nikudi is it. They have right now. They have Hollow Bunnies, okay, which is uh, Luciana uh, Luciana's game. Um, and uh, yeah, like it's super. It's really interesting. I just like. That relationship is it seems to be a lot getting a lot healthier, a lot more obvious. Mm-hmm. Like publishers are starting to see that a their, er- their errors in their ways, and they're also starting to see um, how indie is not a bad thing. Like indie is is a viable market, and that's why I'm saying like that's why there's no indie apocalypse. If there was an indie apocalypse, then there wouldn't there would be no publishers willing to publish indie developers and stuff like that because there would be because they would be like no, it's not worth the risk. Mm-hmm. If publishers are coming to you and saying hey, we're able to fund indie games that means there's a viable market because that's what publishers do research on if there's a viable market there's no indie apocalypse so i don't know that's why i find that the indie apocalypse thing is is, is just a it's just an excuse for if your game doesn't do well <laughs> yeah. it is I, like watch this my game's not gonna do well um <laughs> not, i'm gonna start i'm gonna start screaming indie apocalypse uh no no even if my game doesn't do well i wouldn't i wouldn't i would blame that on myself but uh, I would say it's just a game wasn't bad timing, not enough 
uh, not enough like work went into it, I guess, or I don't know. Yeah, something. there's so many factors that can go into it, and yeah. you never really know. You can't blame it on you can't blame it on indie box clubs. That's bullshit. <laughs> Sorry, I'm very bitter about that. It's just... Indie Y2K. <laughs> there's an obvious. There's an obvious. There's an obvious like. There's a wall. There's a freaking billboard mm-hmm. like screaming at us that there that it's impossible that there's an indie apocalypse just based on all the things that are happening. So, on the fact that there's publishers alone for indie games proves that there's no indie apocalypse. So, yeah, it's interesting. Hmm. That's my stance on that. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's good. Um, so Soli uh, jumped out of the chat. He had a call. Mm-hmm. Uh, Felipe, I'm guessing is out of questions. Um, I'm, I'm pretty much gotten all the information out of you that i wanted to get out <laughs> cool. so yeah um this it, ran for pretty long but it, it was fine you, <laughs> you, you you never have a dull conversation so um, i'm glad like yeah so um well, let, let's do some plugs uh you've got you've got your twitch channel um yep. you're gonna try doing that a bit more um, yeah i'm at twitch it's uh twitch.tv slash y to be crazy why the, the letter y number two Letter B, the word crazy. Uh, that's my handle on Twitter, why to be crazy as well. Um, Patreon, I suggest you check my Patreon out. It's really cool. Uh, it's I forgot the, the address is. Give me a sec. But I, you, if you search why to be crazy on Patreon, you'll find it. I I think uh, yeah, it's just patreoncom why to be crazy. Is it oh, okay? Yeah. Then yeah, that's uh, that's that. And uh, I highly recommend you check the Patreon out because that's gonna be I'm gonna be doing a bunch of cool projects that involve. Um, VR and uh, you could get involved in it in some to a degree. So because uh, I always take your suggestions and stuff. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that's me. And uh, I'm gonna be releasing Critical Annihilation on Valentine's Day. Woo! Um, it's it's uh, gonna be fun. I'm gonna do a huge marketing marketing thing on that. Hopefully it'll do go well enough. And yeah, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, thanks. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, just want to stick around for a minute after uh, the credits. Be cool. And no then, yeah, so thanks to everybody that listened in, and now I just got to pull up the credits and do them. All right. Thank you for listening in to broadcast number 70 of Indie Radio. Indie Radio is broadcast live with 1,000 mics and recorded using Audacity. If you enjoyed the show and are interested in more, you can visit our archive at IndieFunction.com, SoundCloud, or iTunes. Our next show will be in two weeks on January 30th. Uh, guest has not been confirmed yet, so it'll be a surprise for the next few days. (laughs) Uh, Thank you again for listening to Indie Radio, and we hope you have a fantastic weekend.